0: you found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears His sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it.
1: God is so good. I'd like you to open up to two places with me today. Galatians chapter 3 and... Genesis chapter 12. I opened up randomly to Ezra, unintentionally. It says pagan wives put away. We're not going to talk about that today. (laughs) Galatians 3 and Genesis 12. We are starting a new series this week called Covenant Benefits. Yes, Covenant Benefits. Now let's read Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3 together. We are reading from the New King James translation today. So if you have that translation with you, read along. If you don't have that translation with you, that is okay because it still is the Bible. But read from the screen so we're all saying the same words together. Let's read confidently, believing the word of the Lord. Ready? Go. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Ah, listen, when God made covenant with Abram he had us in mind he made this covenant not just to make a covenant with Abram and to do something with Abram but to follow that all the way through to you and to me and in you he says to Abram all the families of the earth shall be blessed are you in a family yes are you on earth yes awesome that's for you yay everybody wins cool <laughs> So verse 2, God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So God is saying to Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. He says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Abram's already in a nation. God is directing him to a nation that is going to be given to him that is already occupied by someone else. Can you imagine? (laughs) Abram, A, this is an incredible promise. God says, I'm going to give you this. B, there are already people there. How are you going to give me what already belongs to somebody else? I believe God's going to take care of that. So God says to Abram that he will do it through Abram and through his wife, Sarah, who is barren. So there is not a lot here that seems like really reasonable or really possible, right? God says, I'm giving you this nation. I'm giving you this place. It's already occupied. Abram is 74 when he gets this promise from God, and his wife, Sarah, is barren. Like, this sounds impossible. And God also says that he will make Abram's name great. So back in the Bible days, it was like this. Hey, who are you? Oh, hi, I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham from Ur. Like, that was that was your identity. That was, it's not, hi, I'm Jennifer Little. It's, I'm Jennifer from Apple Valley, okay? So this is Abraham from Ur. You ever heard of? a place called er sounds awesome right like of all the places to be from er that's where abraham is from like there it doesn't seem like there's a lot of great ha- things happening who comes from er it doesn't even sound like a real word or a real name or a place or anything it sounds like a baby talking er that's the only sound i can make er <laughs> But still, this is where Abraham is from. He doesn't have a great name. He doesn't come from a great place. But God says, I'm going to make your name great. And so now today, thousands of years later, there are three major religions that look to Abraham as Father Abraham. Christianity, Muslim, and Judaism. Now, God did not intend for that to happen, for there to be these three different religions, but I want you to hear that even thousands of years later, this is happening. People recognize him as Father Abraham, recognize that God made covenant with him. I love it. I know, jeez. Baby sounds are the best sounds ever. So see that God's promises do not weaken over time. When God makes a promise, it stands and it'll be fulfilled. It does not weaken over time. Okay, there are, there are three major religions. Only one of them is the, well, not all of them are the ones that God intended, okay? People get mixed up, right? But hear that... <laughs> that God's promise is fulfilled, and it carries out. It does not weaken. It doesn't lose momentum. It doesn't become watered down just because years passed. If anything, it's stronger because all these years have passed, and it still maintains. So God says to Abraham, in you all families of the earth will be blessed. So he's not just talking to Abraham, not just, hey, Abraham, I love you. So this is what I'm going to do for you, and this promise is contained in you. Nope, not even to your family, to you and your sons, because you're so good to me. God didn't say that. He said, in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. And the good news is that Abraham believed God. I'm going to read Genesis 1 through four. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father Of many nations so this is 24 years later in Genesis chapter 12 we read together Abraham is 75 this is 24 years later in Genesis chapter 17 so how old is Abraham 99 and he's still waiting he doesn't have any kids yet we haven't heard that he has kids. It's still just Abraham and Sarah. He's 99. Sarah is still barren because she was and she still is. Like this is just not happening. And Romans tells us that at this point, Abraham's body was as good as dead. Not the, and not intending that, not, not saying that he was so old that he might as well be dead but that the function of his body to be able to have children was as good as dead. So not only is Sarah barren, but Abraham is as good as dead. Like, there is no hope when we look at this in the natural. No hope for anything to happen. Verse 4, Genesis 17, 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, says the Lord. And you shall be a father of many nations. So when we read in chapter 12, nation was singular, but now it's plural. We never really know how big God's promise is. It is massive, and it is huge. You shall be the father of many nations, says the Lord to Abraham. Now we're going to go over to Galatians 3. So that was one of the places I asked you to open up to. So now you flip over to Galatians 3 and we're going to read that. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, verse 13. Having become a curse for us, for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. It's important here that we understand the word Christ. When you read the Bible, you hear the name Jesus, you hear the Lord Jesus, you hear Jesus Christ. There are different descriptions, different attributes of Jesus that we need to understand. And when scripture uses Christ or Lord, it's important that we understand Christ or Lord so we know what the Bible is saying to us. Christ means the anointed one. So here Paul is writing, it says Christ the Anointed One has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Christ the Anointed One. When when Jesus was born, he was born in Nazareth, and so like we learned about Abraham, he introduces himself, hey, I'm Abraham from Ur. So it's the same for Jesus. He's from Nazareth, he's Jesus of Nazareth. That's how he was known. When he was born, he was born being known as Jesus Of Nazareth but then when he is grown and he's baptized at the River Jordan by John the Baptist the Bible tells us that the heavens opened above him and a voice came from heaven and said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and the Holy Spirit then descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove then he went back to Nazareth And Jesus preached from Isaiah chapter 61, which says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So he is Jesus Christ. He has been anointed. When when he is baptized and the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on him, and now he can go out and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, and now he's Jesus Christ, the anointed one. When he was born... He didn't have that yet. He was born Jesus of Nazareth. And now he's baptized, receives the power of the Holy Spirit, and is known as Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Back to Galatians 3, 13. Christ, the Anointed One, has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So what is the law and where did it come from? What is this law? There's no curse. Book of Codes. It's the world I come from. We have books with code sections telling us all the rules. This is the law that God gave. God came to Abraham to make a covenant. 500 years later, Abraham's descendants come out of Egypt, and God gives them the law, which we call the Ten Commandments. How many commandments? Excellent. So these 10 commandments actually represent ab- about 623 commandments when we read through um, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Here all these laws. Represents about 623 commandments. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do it this way. Don't do it that way. If this happens, you got to leave the camp and go out for 10 days. If... Your neighbor loans you a donkey, and the donkey falls in a pit or in a ditch. Tells you what to do about that. Like, it's specific, okay? Okay? (laughs) Right? God gave these rules so people will know what to do and what not to do. How to treat each other. How to not treat each other. So these are the laws, how to punish people when they're out of alignment. Amen. Yeah, that came from the back. I just wanted you all to hear that it was said. (laughs) So that's the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So when God gave the Ten Commandments, he knew that these people could not keep them. He knew that they couldn't keep them. He knew that they didn't have it in themselves to keep these commandments. They could not do it. So he did it with the intent of them being able to come to the realization that they needed a savior, that they could not do it on their own and would say, God, help us. We can't do it. We need someone to save us. We need something to save us. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. What did Jesus hang on? The tree in the shape of a cross, which we have here to remember. Okay, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. He hung on the cross. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon who? The Gentiles. The Gentiles are not the Israelites. So the Israelites are the people who were the descendants of Abraham. So when the covenant was made to Abraham... It goes to his descendants, which are the Israelites. But now this is scripture is telling us that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So these are the people who are not the Israelites. They do not come from the line of Abraham. So, so far, they have no right to any of these promises. God's covenant was with Abraham and to his seed, to his descendants, to the Jewish people. So that we might call them Jewish people, we might call them Israelites. It's the same group of people. Before Jesus died on the cross, he was ministering as a prophet under the Abrahamic covenant. That was what he was doing. When Jesus was born, there was no new covenant yet. He was ministering under the Abrahamic covenant. He was born as a Jewish person. Biologically, covenant came to him. Did you know that still today, those who are of Jewish descent still receive blessing? Did you know that? It's true. I heard a story that there was in downtown LA, many, 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 many years ago, there was an area where a lot of Jewish people were living. Some people didn't like it, so they started being mean to them, tried to ostracize them, making them uncomfortable. So this group of Jewish people moved to another area and they started building businesses and they just, they just did what they did. That area is now Beverly Hills. Okay, Rodeo Drive, not talking about Rodeo Drive, Rodeo Drive, okay? Also, Nobel Peace Prize winners, a quarter of them have been Jewish. Out of just over 900 recipients, a quarter are Jewish. That's incredible. If you look at a globe and you see Israel, it's like tiny. Like what is it, the size of Rhode Island? New Jersey, okay? That's a tiny little place. But a quarter of Nobel, Pri- Nobel Peace Prize recipients are Jewish. The covenant continues. The promises continue thousands and thousands of years later. So verse 14 tells us, but now that comes to the Gentiles, To those who aren't Jewish. I'm not Jewish. That's me. I'm a Gentile. But verse 14 says something else. It says, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So not just all people who are not Jewish. Gentiles who are in Christ Jesus. Gentiles who... Proclaim that Jesus is Lord, who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Those are the Gentiles who now receive these promises. Verse 15 says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. So even if it's just two human beings coming, coming into covenant. Cannot be annulled, can't be added to, can't be changed. But this covenant is a covenant with God. God is so much more than our earthly humanness. So we're talking about blood covenant with God. In ancient days, Even outside of what we read in the Bible, people made covenant with each other. They made blood covenant with each other. It was to keep relationships. It was to make agreements so that it was like a promise, like kids' pinky swear now. Like that's got nothing on blood covenant, but it's the same idea, right? (laughs) Yeah, it totally is. So, like, we are entering a blood covenant, making an agreement that no matter what, this agreement that we say stands. No matter what. No one here is changing their mind. No one is getting scared. No one's going to move out of town and say, oh, sorry, not anymore. No, we make a blood covenant to establish relationships and agreements. In Genesis 15 God tells Abraham to look around, He says, I'm giving you the land. It's not barren land. It is land that is full. It is full of cities. He's telling Abraham, I'm going to throw these people out, and I'm going to give this to you, to you and your barren wife, Sarah. And you and your children will occupy this nation, says the Lord. So Abraham says, God, how do I know? How do I know that what you say you're going to do is what you're going to do? So God says to Abraham, in a way that Abraham is going to understand because culturally blood covenant happens, God says to Abraham, Abraham, bring out the animals. Bring out some doves, bring out some cows, bring out the animals, and we'll make covenant. And so Abraham understands God is serious. This is about to get real. So Abraham gets the animals. Cuts them in half down the middle, lays them opposite, side by side. So this is blood covenant. It's gory and nasty. Imagine there's a cow. We're talking about a cutting a cow in half. Cows look cute when you're like driving through Texas. Texas. And you see them on the side of the road, grazing in the fields, But then you walk up to a cow and they're massive. Even like those cow nostrils like, and eyeballs, they're scary and they're huge because they're close and they're big. Can you imagine cutting a cow down the middle, through the spine? That is disgusting. I I have never done it, but I can only imagine how disgusting it is. So this is a serious binding contract that's being made. And it says, if I break this covenant, what has happened to this animal, let it be done to me. That's the significance of this blood covenant. So Abraham and God, God makes this covenant with Abraham. Abraham, the Bible tells us, falls into a deep sleep. God puts him to bed. And while he sleeps, God spoke to him and said, As for me, I will keep my covenant. God tells Abraham, I'll swear by myself that I'll do this and I will give you this land. And so the Bible tells us that something like a smoking oven and a torch pass between the animals. So this is called the walk of blood. Imagine a cow cut in half down the middle, laying opposite side by side, blood everywhere, okay? Sorry, it's gross. Guts everywhere everywhere. They call it the pool of blood. It's nasty, but this is, this is a big deal. It is a big deal. So then this thing that looks like a smoking oven and a burning torch passed between the animals. It's the walk of blood in a figure eight, around the two, around the two halves of the animal, right through the middle, right through that pool of blood, a figure eight, which sometimes we call the symbol of infinity. So this commitment says, this covenant will never end. It's forever. So typically when people would make covenant, then they would stand in the middle, in this pool of blood, So can you imagine what this looks like? Like this animal has been cut in half. There's blood everywhere from this animal. There's probably blood all over the people, right? I mean, they're in it. This is intentional, this is a big deal to make this covenant. So then they stand together in the middle. This is what humans would do, cut their wrists put their wrists together, and they make their covenant. So we still see something like this today. You go to court, take an oath, raise your right hand. You're swearing an oath. It comes from this ancient practice of covenant. And it would be the right hand where they would cut their wrists. So we see it today. It's, it's no mistake. It's, it's not just something that we just made up in the last hundred years. Oh, I have a good idea. If we're going to swear to tell the truth, uh, just put your hand up and swear to tell the truth. No, it comes from this ancient practice of covenant. It's the right hand of covenant. So why didn't God do this risk-cutting thing? Remember, that's what humans would do. If it was two humans making a covenant, they would cut their wrists. God did not cut his wrist as part of this covenant. He did the walk through as the burning torch and the smoking oven, but didn't cut his wrist. So why? First, because he's holy. God is holy. Even in ancient times, people knew that the life was in the blood. Just like the Bible says, the life... Of the flesh is in the blood. A holy God can't become one life with a sinful man. So even if God had a wrist, which he didn't have flesh yet to have a wrist, he can't mix his blood with sinful man because he is holy. If he did, and sinful Abraham's blood mixed with God's blood, then God would forever be compromised. And so also the second reason is that God doesn't have flesh to cut or blood to bleed yet. Thousands of years ago with Abraham, God did not have flesh yet. And we'll see that that happens with Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.16 says now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. Paul is speaking here. He is a Jew and he is blowing the other Jews away when he's talking about this. He is showing that the covenant blessing of Abraham is to the rest of the world too, not just to the Jews, but he is showing them that it is to the rest of the world and to your seed who is Christ. Even Jesus' apostles after the day of Pentecost didn't understand that Gentiles would also receive this new salvation. Let's look at Matthew 1.1 says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ and the son of David the son of Abraham so it's just a genealogy is it just a genealogy it's not just a genealogy it shows us that Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham so not not that David is Jesus father and Abraham his grandfather but it shows the lineage it shows the genealogy that jesus comes from the line of abraham so when god made covenant with abraham long ago that covenant transcended to david who is in abraham's genealogy david loved god and had a right heart and god made him king over Israel, and made a promise with David that one of his descendants would sit on the throne of Israel forever, and that would be Jesus. So we see that in the, in the genealogy is Abraham, and several generations later, David, and several generations later, Jesus. So now when we read Psalm 103, 1 through 5, which David wrote, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now we understand this is covenant. That what David is writing here is covenant. Because David was in covenant with God. Because David was Jewish. And so we see that Jesus is the son of both Abraham and David. So he was born a Jewish man, born of the seed of Abraham, and he took on all of these old covenant blessings. Now look at Galatians 3.29. We're going to see it get real for us. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you are Christ and your life belongs to him, not just you know about him, but if you are Christ's, if you confess him as your Savior, then you are Abraham's seed now. All the blessing on Jewish people is on you. All of that same blessing We are going to go to, stay at Galatians 3.9. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. If you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed. Singular. But didn't we read earlier that Jesus was Abraham's seed? And it was singular there. But see, the Bible teaches that we're in Christ. So we're not separate lives anymore. We come into covenant, and our life is in him. We come into covenant, and our life is in him. Jesus is the head, and we're the body of Christ. We are in Christ When somebody walks in, you don't say, oh, there's Larry and Billy, his body. We don't say that. Your body doesn't have a different name, a different identity. It's just Bob. The head, it's Bob, the whole person. So Jesus, the head, Jesus, the whole person, but we are in Christ. Ephesians tells us that we are the fullness of him. So if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed. When God made covenant with Abraham, he wasn't only thinking about Jesus, but he was thinking about you. When God made covenant with Abraham, it was to be able to make covenant with Jesus, to be able to redeem you. He didn't just make covenant with Abraham because he liked Abraham. He made covenant with Abraham to be able to make covenant with Jesus. So we could receive everything so that he could get us back to him. So when Jesus went to the cross, I want you to see how precise the Bible is. When we're talking about blood covenant, when Jesus went to the cross, well, first remember when we talked about covenant before and walked through the animals and the figure eight, and then if it was two people, they would stand in the middle, cut wrists to complete their covenant, But God couldn't do that with Abraham, because God is holy, Abraham was sinful, God didn't have flesh and blood yet to be able to make that covenant, but now he has Jesus. So, Jesus, being Emmanuel, meaning God with us, part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the Son. And so now God has a human body. So now God himself has blood and has flesh to cut. So on the cross, Jesus is here representing God. And he is also representing us. He is a man, but he is sinless. So he has innocent blood that can be mixed with the blood of God. Jesus on the cross was the double representative. The Bible tells us that he was the mediator. The Bible calls him the mediator of the new covenant. So when you have two parties, the mediator is the one in between that represents both parties. So now God has Jesus. Now he's got a fleshly body on earth to be the mediator to complete this covenant. So when Jesus was crucified, you know, we see a lot of pictures of Jesus being crucified and nails through his hands. The reality is that the nails were through his wrists, where the joint could support the weight of his body. We also see a lot of pictures of his arms straight out. The truth is, with Roman crucifixion, his arms were up which means that when he bled from his two wrists, one wrist representing God, the other wrist representing us, and the blood flowed down from each wrist and mixed together. Praise the Lord. When you see it and you see how God has worked to make this happen for us, to be able to give us this covenant. That it would just so happen that the time that Jesus was alive was when Roman crucifixion was the torture of choice. But because of that, it completed the covenant. Amen. Amen. So Jesus' arms are up, and he is swearing as man to God. Says, I swear that we will honor you this time, God. We will keep the covenant this time. We will not break it with you this time. And with those same arms up, swearing as God to man, he says, I swear I will never break this covenant. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will forgive you, I will provide for you, I will heal you, I will restore you. All of those benefits that we've heard over and over and over in Psalm 103. He says, I promise, I swear that I'm going to do it. Because listen, when you're in covenant with someone, my life is theirs and their life is mine. Okay? Back in the ancient days, what it meant was if someone goes to battle with you, we're in covenant, someone goes to battle with you, even if we know that you're going to be defeated with my help, I still go with you and we die together. That's covenant. It's not, oh, hey, sorry, those guys are real big and real tough and you're going to eat it. I'm going to go that way and I'm going to save myself. It does not happen. That's what covenant is, is my life is yours and your life is mine. And no matter what, we're together. No matter what, we fulfill our promises. No matter what, the agreement that we made stays and it does not change. And so God says to us, I swear to you. Have you ever sworn? It's like, I'm not talking about cursing. It's like so much... (laughs) more than oh I promise I swear I'm gonna do it God swears he swears that he will give you everything that he says that he'll give you he swears that he will heal your body he swears that he will restore your finances your marriage relationships relationships with your kids He swears that he will do it. He swears that he will deliver you. He swears that he'll forgive you. He swears it. So let's close. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. And we're going to thank God for his covenant. We're going to thank him for his promises and the benefits that he gives us. So, I'm going to ask you to say some things after me. You all up for it? Good thing. Let's do it. Say, God, everything has changed for me. I'm in covenant with Jesus Christ, he swore in blood. To bring these benefits. I am in covenant with God. Therefore, my circumstance cannot stay the same. Jesus swore it in blood. I am in covenant with God. Amen.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Stay up here with me this is a challenging introduction to a new series. It's challenging because there are so many things that we almost take for granted in our, in our culture or in, our, in uh, where we live and all that. Uh, I saw Prince reading the Bible at McDonald's the other day. He had a couple Bibles open. And, and I know that. So we pour over these things and we, and we think, man, everyone must know this. Well, not everybody knows this. And so this is a challenging introduction, and what I don't want you to do is miss it. I want you to come back next week when we start living out what has been begun here, where Pastor Jen brought, this is what covenant is, life and death, strength and weakness. It's God's strength and our weakness partnering together. But he made this covenant with himself, and, and it flows down, right, Jesus' arms, Okay, all of this, it means something, and we're going to continue to press into these things. Why? So we can get these covenant advantages, these covenant blessings, these covenant benefits. So will you do a favor for me and just mark on your calendars, mark out the time to come to continue to be here. So don't let this one as an introduction scare you off because it's heady. You know, and we're like, oh, and it's it's seed and it's not seeds and it's it's us and it's them and it's me and it's ah there's a lot, right? I mean, we're acknowledging it in front of you, it's like, yeah, I get it, it's heady, but you will be blessed if you continue to put yourself in God's way, right? I am the way, Jesus said. I am the truth, I am the life. If you need more life, if you need more truth, if you need more way, well, get here be here. We're going to tell you how to, how to pour yourself into this covenant relationship with God.